worthy of our best. Amen. He's worthy of our highest praise, church. Oh, let's let him know how much we love him today. Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord God. We thank you for this day. God, that you have made. We rejoice in it this morning, Lord. We bring an offering of praise to you today, Lord. We bring a song to you today, Lord God. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit, God, in our service this morning. We pray that you would open the windows, Lord, of heaven, God. That you would pour out even now, Lord. Oh, the former rain, the latter rain, together, Lord God. Oh, have your way, Father, in this place today. Be glorified and receive our worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me Jesus, Jesus, he's done so much for me. 
special measure of your presence. Come in a special measure of your presence. And let today be a day where by your spirit you minister to people in a special measure, in a special way. Oh God. Father, in Jesus' name we love you. Fill your sanctuary with an even stronger measure and moving of your spirit. And as we open up your word, speak to us clearly, speak to us personally, and by your spirit, minister powerfully to those that would believe and those that would respond, to those that would open their hearts. May the power of your spirit minister mightily, sovereignly, supernaturally. Let there be new freedom, let there be new healing, let there be new refreshing. Let a grace of impartation be released to work powerfully in individuals and entire families. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's give the Lord a praise. He's worthy, he's wonderful, and we love him and we praise him, we honor him, we exalt the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Good morning. So good to see everybody. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Kings, the first chapter. You know, if you remember, and I know some of your memories are still working pretty good. 
If you remember about two or three years ago, we preached a few months on the life of that great prophet Elijah. Well, this was a sermon we just never got to. And we filed it away, and as oftentimes I pray maybe three or four months in advance of where direction we're going, um, this was coming up sometime this summer. <laughs> we just we pulled it out. Yeah, finally, it's going to make it. Amen? Three years overdue, but it's going to make it. It was originally planned for last week, but then, lo and behold, when we got to David's concert in the cave, that went two weeks on us, kind of, and everything kind of got pushed back a week, so... We're going to preach this morning from 2 Kings. Now, our text is a little longer than normal, but it's story form, so it'll flow. You know, when you're reading a story, it goes a little quicker than, you know, an epistle. So if you would, 2 Kings, first chapter, we're going to start with verse number one. We're going to read this story, and we want to get a grasp here. We want to get a grasp. The Bible says, after Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now, Ahaziah, that's the new king, had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, Go and consult Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury. Now, we're going to focus on two questions in the next 40 to 50 minutes. One comes from verse 3 and one comes from verse 7. So take notice our first question. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going off to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says, You will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. And Elijah went. When the messengers returned so quickly, the king asked, Why have you come back? A man came to meet us, they replied, and he said, Go back to the king who sent you and tell him, This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're sending men to consult Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, you will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. There's our second question. The king asked him, What kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? And they replied, well, he was a man with a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, that was Elijah the Tishbite. Now, I don't know, the king didn't like that word. I wonder why. Well, he's going to try to nullify the word. You can't nullify God's word, so you just better get in line with it and take it. Amen? Well, let me keep reading or we'll never get to this. Oh, He sent to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill, and said, Man of God, the king says, come down. Elijah answered the captain, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. You know, some people are slow to learn. Verse 11 says, At this the king sent to Elijah another captain with his 50 men. And the captain said, man of God, this is what the king says, come down at once. You see, the heathen mindset thought of you could kill the messenger, you can kill the message. You can kill all the messengers you want, the message of the gospel goes forth, amen? It goes forth, it goes forth. So, here we go, verse 12, if I am a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven, consume you and your 50 men. Then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and the 50 men. So the king... 
You can be liberal when it's someone else's money. I mean, when it's someone else's um, life. Isn't that right? So the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. No, this third captain, he, he was a little smarter than the others. The third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Humble yourself before the word of the Lord. Don't try to argue with it. Don't run from it. Humble yourself. King, third, third captain went up, fell with his knees. Man of God, he begged. Please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. We belong with your side. Whose side are you on? You see, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men. But now have respect for my life. And then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. And he told the king, this is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult? That you sent messengers to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Because you've done this, you will never leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts. Comfort those who need comfort, encourage those who need encouragement. Awaken those that might have drifted and got into things, sometimes even innocently, but they're into things they need to get out of. Some are still bearing the wounds of foolish decisions of the past. May your power work in their hearts and in their minds. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. We use as our title this morning, When the Fire Falls Again, or He's Still the God. That answers by fire. Ha <laughs> ha. Now our themes will come to us from two questions that we read, giving this sermon real two separate sections, two separate parts, as we said, verse 3 and verse 7. The background, the setting is this, King Ahab, Elijah's, how can we say it, his arch nemesis. He had died in battle according to the word of the Lord. Ahab was a wicked man along with his evil wife Jezebel, had torn down the king's, the, the Lord's altars, he'd murdered the Lord's prophets, he led the people of God to open idolatry and the worship of Baal. Now finally, Ahab had died. As one writer put it, an embarrassment to God and a burden to the people. Change comes to the nation, but unfortunately, Ahab's son, Hezekiah just followed the parents of his pattern of his parents. He followed in their ways, and he aroused the anger of the Lord just like they had. You know, it's a shame not to learn from the past. It's a shame not to learn from the past. You can have a change in your life, but not if you keep doing what you've been doing and keep going the way you've been going. It's a shame not to learn from the past. Ahaziah had witnessed so much as crown prince, but unfortunately, it seems like very little have sunk in. Here's the story. He fell through the lattice of his upstairs window and was seriously injured, and his response is recorded for us. Now, even before this, if we studied the word, God was trying to get this young king's attention. His father had died tragically and really unusually, according to the word of the Lord, though. God had, it had prophesied. Then early in his reign, because he walked in his father's ways, divine judgment took numerous forms against him politically. There was economically, and now here personally. Yet instead of turning to the Lord, you know, it's a terrible testimony that he consulted hell instead of calling on heaven. He had seen so much as crown prince. 
He knew how the prophets of Baal had been defeated, exposed, humiliated, embarrassed by the Lord, yet he still refuses to call on the Lord. How much will it take for some to wake up and turn around? That's what ripped my heart as I read that. But God intervenes as we read our story, and God dispatches his prophet. What a God we serve. What a mighty and compassionate God we serve. You can't keep any secrets from God. He knows it all. There's nothing that escapes his notice, and he can't be ignored forever. Can you say amen? I mean, all the king went through, but he still wouldn't seek the Lord. Finally, God interrupts Ahaziah's servants as if to say, well, you won't seek me, I'll speak to you anyhow. You won't call on me? Well, I'm going to call on you and knock on the door of your heart. This is the Lord giving this king one more opportunity to consider his ways and to turn back to God. This is the mercy and the grace of God being extended. If you're within the sound of my voice and you're not living right, you don't have forever. You can learn from your mistakes. You can learn from what you've seen in other lives. And you can make a fresh commitment to the Lord and start doing things His way and surrender all of your life to Jesus and allow Him to begin with the heal and guide and change your life. But you've got to make that choice and you've got to respond to that call. Is there not a God in Israel? You know, Jesus one time spoke to a New Testament church. If I can summarize it, he said, you know, you try to put me conveniently on the outside. But behold, I'm going to knock on the door of your heart anyhow. And I'm going to ask you to open and respond to me. Is there not a God in Israel who is able and who is kind and who is compassionate and who is capable of answering our cries and ordering our steps and fighting our battles? Is there not a God in Israel? who's come through for us before and is willing to do it again. Is there not a God in Israel that still brings his people through the hard places and still knows how to carry us through? The true and the living God, the almighty God, the forever faithful God. You see, sometimes even Christians, I'm not preaching out in the streets, outside the bars, I'm preaching to believers, but sometimes even Christians, Get into situations of pressure, frustration, fear, desperation. And they get tempted to compromise, to cut corners, to ignore clear biblical truth and principle. But the Lord says, is there not a God that you can turn to? Is there not a loving Savior that you can call on? Is there not one who is willing and able to fight your battles and to meet your needs and to bring you through? Come on, say amen. The first question. Under the first question, we see a divine disapproval and a divine disappointment. Number one, there's a divine disapproval. Note, in no uncertain terms, God warns his people about consulting the false for guidance, predictions, counsel, or revelation. From the spiritual side all the way down just to ungodly counsel, ungodly advice. Get it from the Bible. Now this is good for us to hear because today countless people want to know the future. Horoscopes and 
psychic headline, hotlines, astrology and Ouija boards, fortune tellers, all different forms of witchcraft. And to many this seems like a harmless fun or something they can toy with, but this is the enemy's territory. And it's anything but silliness or harmless fun. I grew up in a church under a prophet of God. I mean a prophet, one of the fivefold, not someone that prophesies. He walked down that aisle. He walked down that aisle one time. Must have stopped in the middle, put his head down, lifted it up, said, God just told me someone here is messing around with a Ouija board. Sunday morning. Put his head down, put it back up. God just told me who you are. So you better see me or I'm coming after you. They wound up being a leader, toying and dabbling. Nothing serious, love God, but getting foolish, getting into dangerous territory. After this, no one here will be innocent to claim ignorance because you're going to hear God say, get away from that. Don't dabble in that. Don't open the door to that. Let us be very clear, God is displeased with any occult involvement, no matter what the motive. No matter how great the need, dabbling with the occult is sin. And God's word is very clear on the subject. Leviticus 19 and 31. Leviticus 19 and 31. We'll just read one scripture here, but it says, Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritualists, for you will be defiled, defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now, note takers, you can just write this down. We're not going to put it up. It's a few verses. I'll summarize it. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 12. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12. I'll summarize it. Let no one be found among you that practices divination. Sorcery, cast spells, consults the dead, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft. Anyone who does them is detestable to the Lord. As Christians, we do not dabble, we do not toy, we do not play with such things. According to the Bible, they're dangerous, they're deceptive, and they're defiling. You know, Chuck Swindoll, that wonderful Bible teacher, dealing with this topic, said these words, and I just, he said it so well. Chuck Swindoll, he says, when you seek out a medium or a psychic, you become defiled. You open yourself up to it. You give them invitation. That devil can't mess with you, but if you open the door, you give them free reign. When you seek it out, you become defiled. You become mentally contaminated, emotionally confused, spiritually corrupted. Think about that. Mentally contaminated. Some people have played with these things early on in life, and they're still in an influence because you've never dealt with it. They struggle with them. Why? Because they allowed that thing and never dealt with it. Mentally contaminated, emotionally confused, spiritually corrupted. Now, of course, that wasn't your intention, but that is the result. Playing off our humanly curious nature, the forces of darkness drop entertaining and innocent-sounding bait. But to take the bait is to compromise your spiritual protection. Read it again. To take the bait is to compromise your spiritual protection. 
And whoever moves into this realm opens the door that cannot later be shut. Divine assistance exits as defiling impurities enter in, end quote. So let's be clear. God is displeased with any occult involvement. God is dishonored by any specific pursuit of the future that does not find its source in him or his word. But rest assured, God is delighted when we look to him and trust in him to order our steps and guide our efforts and illuminate our minds. Let there be no doubt about it, child of God. God will show you the way if you seek him and look to him. You don't have to walk in darkness, but if you take time and give Jesus his proper place, he'll speak to you. He'll speak to you. If you'll obey, he'll speak again. Divine disapproval, divine disappointment. The heart of God gets wounded when we turn to the enemy instead of him. Listen to Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. When men tell you to go and consult medium, spiritualist, who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why go to the false? Why go to the frail? When we got the living God that'll guide us. Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? How about that? Why go to the things of death when we have the eternal life? What's that next one? Oh, God. Consult God's instruction. Consult God's word. To the word and to the testimony, the Bible says. To the word and to the testimony. Because if it doesn't have anything to do with that, it has no light at all. To the word and to the testimony. God warns us. The things of darkness will only defile us and deceive us and confuse us. You get confused when you open your door to those things. But God calls us and tells us to seek me, look to me, walk in my ways, trust in me. We're studying the will of God on Wednesday night. And one thought we brought out, you know, you've got to trust God to walk in the will of God. Many people back off of the will of God because it demands faith to walk in the will of God. God will call you to go this way. God will call you to respond that way. And many people flat out, it's not that they don't believe mentally, but they don't trust God enough to do it his way. God speaks to us. He says, call on me, look to me, trust in me. Trust in me to make those decisions. Trust in me to learn how you should respond to life. James, the first chapter, says, if anyone lacks wisdom, you just go ahead and ask God. He gives it generously. He'll give it. If you're a child of God and you need wisdom, your heavenly Father says, if you'll ask me in faith, I'll give you the wisdom that you need. You don't got to run here or there, ask the world's advice. I'll give you the wisdom you need for every decision and every response to life. Can you say amen? And then the psalm, the psalm 119, didn't the Bible say, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. In an age when there was no electricity and it got dark at night, it was easy to stumble. It was easy to go astray. But God says, My word is like a light in a dark place. And this world can be dark and situations can be hard to navigate. But the Bible will give you light of the revelation of the mind of God. And if you're here today and you're a child of God, Romans 8 and 14, the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. 
So I have, you have the word in the light without, in the spirit, illumination within. Oh, man. Why look to the false? Why lean to the ungodly counsel of this world? God speaks to his people. I've granted you the privilege of prayer, the leading of my spirit, and the clear wisdom of my word. And don't forget, church, I'm still a wonderful counselor, saith the Lord. So, child of God, the Lord says, trust his leading. Build according to his pattern. He still knows the end from the beginning and every step along the way. Can you say amen? Amen. Friend, let Jesus carry your burden. Bring to Jesus your every problem. Trust him to order your steps, to navigate your life. Seek him and his word for your wisdom, for your guidance, and for your help. And like David, be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Amen. And he is the wisdom giver and a way maker and a mountain mover. My God, he's a good God. Can you say amen? Now, now the word comes to King Ahaziah. And his response, he challenges and defies the word. Again, he attempts to nullify the word by nullifying the messenger. You, you, you can change messengers every other week. I never get a story. Pastor Impagda, one of my mentors, him and Brother Simbola from the Brooklyn Tabernacle grew up together. They're closest of friends. And he spent about a decade down there as his right arm. And so he would tell me stories when I was his youth pastor from, from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he said one lady came in, and they had about seven, eight pastors on staff back then, and went to one pastor with a problem, and well, Brother Simbla had him trained. What do we do? We go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Amen? Yeah, you don't need a Ph.D. for all this stuff. What's the Bible say? Well, she didn't like that answer. Next week she made another appointment to the next pastor. Amen. Well, when she got to about the fourth one, finally they said, Lady, quit it. You, we had a hundred pastors. They're gonna, you're going to say what you said, and they're going to say what they say. The Bible says. You can change messengers every other week. But God's message. From eternity, from eternity. Amen. So he tries to nullify the words by nullifying the messenger. My friend, don't fight the word. You'll never win. You'll never get ahead by fighting the word of the Lord. Embrace it. Receive it. Yield to it. Let it bless you. Well, his day of mercy came, but he said no. How many times will the day of mercy come? And you say no, there might not be another time. God in his great mercy gives him one more chance. God comes to him when he wasn't even sought. God interrupts the king's madness with heaven's mercy. But the king rejects God's love and and mocks the patience and the kindness of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm glad a time or two God interrupted me. I'm glad a time or two I may be going down the wrong path, ignoring the voice of the Lord, may be ready to make the wrong choice. He said, not so fast, son. I thank God that he loves us enough to come after us. And when the occasion requires it to interrupt us, to awaken us, and to bring us to himself, can you say amen? I thank God for the divine interruptions of mercy 
that have brought awakening and protection and a turning to my life. How about you? Aren't you glad God interrupted you? Aren't you glad God stopped you? Oh, don't ever take that for granted. You could be in the funny house. You could be on marriage number 15. You, you could be estranged. Oh, the mercy of God. Don't overlook that. Don't overlook that. First question, is there not a God in Israel? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. And his eye is on the righteous. And his ears are open to our cry. And if we'll seek him, we'll find him. If we call on him, he'll answer us. If we'll build our lives according to his word, it'll stand and withstand all the challenges and trials of this life. Somebody say amen. Now I want to shift gears and draw verse 7. This question is too good not to expound. The king says, what kind of man was it? What kind of man was it? Oh, my, what kind of man was it? Oh, we've got to shorten this one up because what kind of man was it? If I don't get back to it, if you've messed with those things in the past and haven't thoroughly repented, a lot of times the health can get an influx. You wonder why you have certain struggles. There are certain things you've let in and never let, got out. You've got to deal with those things. Amen? And if you keep giving an open door to certain things, hell will take what you give. Hell will take what you give. He's a thief and he's a robber. And if you leave that window open and you want to go out all day, he'll come in and take what he'll, he'll do that. That's why you got to keep on that armor of God. You got to stay in the will of God and be quick to lift up that shield of faith. But the question here is what kind of man was it? Mm. I don't want us to forget this great prophet. Elijah was a man who modeled the life God is looking for today. He was a man that stood apart from the current culture and the, the current condition of the age. And he was a man that stood for the Lord and stood for God's word and wasn't ashamed of that. Let's answer the question, what kind of man was he and what kind of people ought we to be? Number one, he was a man who took an unpopular stand and had an unpopular message. Now, if you remember the story, I know it was long ago, but back in 1 Kings 17, he just appears on the scene. No one really knows where he's from, his heritage. He just appears with the word of the Lord. He appears before the king. When he's first introduced, he just walks into the king's presence unannounced, uninvited, sent from God with an unwanted and unpopular message. You remember that? King, God's judging you. It's not going to rain again until I say so. A drought's coming because you're worshiping wicked gods and not serving the living God. Boom. And when we live like Elijah in this day, we're going to have a different message and we're going to have a different march than the world around us. You see, the message of the gospel is often unpopular and unwanted, but we must stay committed to it. But even if it's a message, it isn't always wanted. It's a message the world needs. Listen, those around you need the Jesus you have. They need to hear about the Savior you love and the great salvation he gives. The world might not want to always hear it, but we got to keep telling it and telling it and telling it. Tell it in love, but tell it courageously and tell it um, wholeheartedly. They need good news of a loving Savior. What kind of man was it? Well, he was a man that took an unpopular stand, had an unpopular message. And that's what believers have to do today. We walk a different way. We stand for a different cause. But secondly, he was a man of unwavering obedience. 
And we studied this when we studied the, the life of Elijah. And the word of the Lord came to him and he went. And the Lord, word of the Lord came to him and he responded. He was led by the word. We've got to be led by the word. Not our emotions, not our desires. We must be led by the word. As we follow his life, we see continue led by the word of the Lord. Elijah was not all that different from the one he, he, he reminds us of in the New Testament, John the Baptist. Remember, he looked like John, and they dressed alike, right? They kind of had that same tailor that they went to. And, and, um, and what was it said about John the Baptist? We could say about Elijah. He was not a reed or a branch blowing in the wind. What's that mean? Well, you know, some people are real strong if there's no wind blowing. But a little bit of wind of inconvenience, and they bend. A little bit of wind of pressure, they bend. A little more um, peer pressure, they go. I mean, adversity, advert pressure, popularity. Whatever way the wind blows, they blow. But not these men. They stood firm on what the Bible said and what God told them to do. And the Elijahs of this hour must once again sing the song, I Surrender All. Have you sang that song lately? Not just when you're feeling good or things are going well, but as a devotion of our lives to our Savior and King, Lord, I surrender all. I'm your servant. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Let's give ourselves to an unwavering obedience to the word and to the call of God. Elijah was a man of unwavering obedience. And all this study of that again. But number three, he was a man who used some unconventional weapons. And you remember the story. Now, we don't battle like the world battles, but we do battle. Amen. It's a spiritual warfare. But you look at the life of Elijah, man. He called down fire from heaven. This is the second time. I mean, he called down fire. He raised the dead. He produced miracles of provision. He prayed down a drought. Then he prayed down a downpour. He used his faith. He stood on God's promises. He spoke the word, and it was a strange word, and it came to pass. He obeyed some kind of strange instructions. Go where? Say what? Do what? But when he walked according to that word, that obedience of faith brought about, I mean, the obedience of faith will bring about some of the greatest miracles and breakthroughs you'd ever see. Amen? If, uh, we spend too much time, what if? Forget what if. Has God spoken to you? Obey the Lord. If God says it, do it. Trust the Lord and watch him work it out. Present day lesson, the spiritual weapons God has given you and I. The spiritual weapons God has given his church are powerful and effective. And we must use them faithfully to do what God requires. We need to learn to use the tools that God has provided for us. We must learn. See, it's one thing to get saved. If you really want to walk in the victory, you've got to learn how to use your spiritual weaponry. You've got to learn what it is and learn how to use it. Some can rattle it off, can't walk in it. Some can tell you all about it. Amen? I mean, I can tell you all about a good meal, but I can't cook it for you. See what I mean? You can, a lot of people tell you all about things that can't practice things. Isn't that true? So it's not enough even to know these things. That, you know, see, that's why when you younger Christians, you know, God on purpose will bring you to places where you get a little isolated. You see, he wants to grow you up. You, got, you see, he'll do that on purpose. 
he'll strip away from your life everything you've been leaning on. But he says, leaning on that, you, you know, you, you can't be with that binky when you're 29. They're not right now. Come on. Where's the binky? Oh, can't have that binky. Oh, no. And sometimes God will drift us because, not, not that he's not caring, but he cares for us greatly. And he wants us to learn how to pray for ourselves and touch God. How to find a promise in the word of God and believe it for ourselves. Amen. He wants us to get to a place where we're going to have to exercise some spiritual conviction of courage and stand firm in the face of opposition from this world. And so sometimes he lets us out a little bit. We must learn to believe God's promises and apply the privileges of prayer. We must learn how to obey God's word and live by it at all times. God's men, God's women must be completely convinced and skilled. That's the word, uh, skilled at the weapons God has given us. We need to learn how to use our faith. We need to learn how to pray and get answers. We need to learn how to stand on the word of God and speak it forth against the adversary of our soul. We need to learn how to praise our way through certain situations. Oh, my. We've got to learn that faith in God still moves mountains of opposition, that the believing prayer still shakes nations and households can be shaken. For the power of prayer, we need to learn how the word of God and believing that word and walking by that word still releases the mighty arm of the Lord in our lives. What kind of man was Elijah? He was a man that took an unpopular stand and had an unpopular message. And if you're a real Christian, so do you. If you're a sincere believer, you take your stand for Jesus and you live the way he's told you to live. And a lot of times the world around you doesn't agree with it and doesn't understand it. You walk in love, but you walk obediently before the Lord. And never be ashamed to share the gospel. Share it in love, but share it you must. He was a man of unwavering obedience. If you really want God's best, God's going to say, obey me. Obey me when it's convenient. Obey me when it's not. Obey me when you'd rather not. Obey me when you're chawing at the bit. But obey me. How do you do that? Start out by obeying what the book says. Before you're looking for a prophecy, go ahead and obey what the Bible says in the written form. Can you say amen? And then after you get the written form down, there's that Holy Ghost within you. Amen. You're not right. You've got to learn to obey that Holy Spirit within you. Isn't that true? I mean, you know, you say something wrong, you get out of place, Holy Ghost convicts you, doesn't he? And you've got to learn to say, oh, I'm sorry. Conviction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Holy Ghost says, speak up and go witness and say, oh, Lord, I'm a little busy. They're probably going to reject me. Holy Ghost, talk to them. So after that clear written word, learn to obey the spirit within you, the proddings and the leadings of God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Lord. What kind of man was this prophet of God? He was a man that used unconventional weapons. As the people of God, we recognize the weapons of our warfare are not earthly weapons. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds, to displace darkness, to perform acts of righteousness in the earth. And we have to learn. It's more than just saying a sinner's prayer and then stopping our drinking and our smoking. 
It's learning how to pray. It's learning the word and how to walk in that word. It's learning how to move out in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. It's learning how to be led by the inner voice of the Spirit. What kind of man was it? He was a man who faced undauntingly great odds and opposition. You're going to walk with the Lord. You're going to have some opposition along the way. If you're going to take the righteous road, there's going to be some that try to derail you from that road. He was in the minority, and so are we, but of God before us. Whew, who can be against us? If you really want the best, you're going to be opposed. We got this thing so crazy, we don't know the will of God from. As soon as someone gets uncomfortable, that's not God's will. What do you mean? That, that New Testament church must have missed it a lot. They're getting killed. They're getting imprisoned. There are a lot of things weren't uncomfortable. They did the will of God. They shook their world. If you're going to do God's best, the devil don't want you doing God's best. They're this generation that doesn't love God trying to hinder you, try to hinder you from doing God's best. Doesn't want this good news going forth. Doesn't want people to hear about Jesus. Amen? Doesn't want to see a generation raised up that's not going to bow to their moralities and the confusion and the deception of this moral culture. When you stand for him, you might have to stand alone, but really you're never alone. Because if you stand with him, he stands with you. Sometimes if you walk with God, you might feel a bit overwhelmed by circumstances. But you'll never face them alone. And you can always encourage yourself by saying the battle is the Lord's battle. And if God be for me, who can be against me? You see, if you're part of the church, you're part of the winning side. But we have to say this because this is where we miss it. We think as soon as there's opposition, i got to run. Opposition might be the greatest sign you'll ever get. You're in the will of God. That devil don't kick a dead horse. I mean, if you're doing nothing for the Lord, yeah, don't worry about that. You'll just dig your own hole. He'll just let you go keep doing what you're doing. Amen? But when you start walking in righteousness, when you start getting stirred by the Spirit, then he knows, uh-oh, I better knock them off. I better get them discouraged. I better do something. They get, oh, no. That devil knows the great potential every child of God has within them. The devil knows the things God can do through a man or woman that is yielded to the Lord. One of my church history heroes, D.L. Moody, that great evangelist, church and Bible school out there in Chicago. He was sitting with a brother one time, and the man said, Moody, Moody was a young man, just being discipled. The world has yet to see what God could do through one life totally committed, yielded to him. And Moody said, I'll be that man. I'll be that man. He never went to the cemetery, I mean the seminary. He never went to, he never went to college. I mean, but he shook two nations. He shook Europe. He shook England. He shook America. He'd been dead over 100 some odd years. There's still a church in downtown Chicago running thousands named after him with a Bible school producing students year after year. Oh, all he did is gave himself wholeheartedly to God. Amen? Woo! Oh, Lord have mercy. What kind of man was it? 
He was a man who had an unstoppable God. And so do we. So do we. We serve the true and living God. We belong to him. He is alive. He still answers by fire. He still sends his ravens of provision. He still releases showers of blessing upon his people. What do you need God to do for you? You need a financial miracle? You need a financial or physical touch? Does your family need the intervention of the Lord? What is it that you need? Let's believe God. He's still the God that answers by fire. And if you're here today and you need some ministry, because of some poor choices you might have made years ago, and you know there's something that needs to be broken, something that just needs to be. He's here today. The Holy Spirit will minister in your heart. The Holy Spirit can work that special work within your mind and within your soul. We said earlier that this message had really two themes. And so the first one, we dealt with how important it is never to tabble with the things of darkness, horoscopes, Ouija boards, all those kind of things. Stay away from that. If you're dabbling in any form of the horoscope, any, you're leaning on ungodly, unbiblical counsel, respond to this loving warning from the Lord. Renounce it, cease doing it, cease that behavior, and seek God for his forgiveness. And God will do it. You've got to renounce it. Amen? And ask God's forgiveness. And he'll begin to minister. He'll begin to minister in your heart, in your life. He's still the God that answers by fire. And he's looking for men and women that will raise up, like Elijah, that will stand courageously and boldly in this present hour, that will trust the Lord and obey the Lord and let God use them in a time where so many are lost and need a sincere word from heaven and need to see a man or a woman live it out before them? If the Lord is speaking to you, we've covered a lot of things, if the Lord is speaking to you about any of it, respond and do your part. If you're here today and you just need prayer, you just want to come and seek the Lord and take this time to draw near to God, then do so. Is there any air in your heart that needs that special ministry of the Holy Spirit? He heals wounded hearts. He sets prisoners free. He pours a healing oil into areas that have been mended and bruised, and he brings to mend them and make them whole. He imparts life where things have been deadened. So what we're going to do when you stand, when we stand and pray, If you need a touch from God, I want you to reach out to the Lord. If there's any area that needs that special ministry of the Holy Spirit, just look to the Lord, present it to the Lord, and let the power of God minister to you. Amen. Stand with me. Let's stand together. We're going to open the altar. And you want to come to the altar, you can, or just where you're seated. If you're here today and you might say, you know, Pastor, I... A mess. I, I thought it was just a joke. Well, listen, no one's here to condemn you. We're here to love you and say, listen, God's warning his people. God loves you too much. What good parent 
seeing a child do something that they knew was dangerous wouldn't say, hey, wait, that's dangerous. Don't, don't do that. Amen? And that's what the God is doing. He's warning you. So if you're doing that and, and you're ready to go home and get, throw that junk out and renounce it, you can ask God to forgive you right now and he'll take you at your word that you're going to go home and get rid of it and renounce it. Stop it. You might think he's innocent. Get on that computer. And look at things. The enemy is very deceptive. Oh, he, he's, he's, he's a con artist. And he knows how to get you to let down the guard. That's why you just stay away from it all. If it's of darkness, stay away. If it's of darkness, don't let it in the door. Amen? Build good borders of healthy protection for you and your family. So if you've been doing that, respond to the love of God and renounce it, and then ask God to forgive you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, shame to say it, but I was into it probably more than I should before I got saved, and I still sometimes deal with nightmares because of it. Sometimes I still can't explain it. Well, you can bring that thing to the Lord and just say, Lord, there's an error in my life that it seemed like that thing afflicted me. And it's still affecting me. And Lord, I want you to make me whole. You know I've repented of it, Lord. You know I've turned from it. You know I'm doing my part. But now, Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, great physician, minister to my mind, my psyche, my soul. And he'll do that. He'll do that. If you'll open up, if you'll respond, he'll do that. If you ask him to and you just open up, he'll do that. Because he's a good God, a loving God. He, God, he answers by fire. And the fire of his Holy Ghost will minister grace into your heart. And you're just here today. And you need to touch in any way. There'll be anointing with oil. There'll be prayers. But specifically, if you need that special ministry of the Spirit, you need to yield. You've got to open up. And you've got to ask the Lord. And if you will, He'll minister in a supernatural way. We pray, Father. Father, I pray if anyone is struggling in any area that needs a special touch of your Spirit, Lord, minister to them. To those who would reach out in a humble faith, Father, in the name of Jesus, release the power of your Spirit to operate, mending, healing, cleansing, freeing your people. In the mind, in the emotion, in the heart, let there be the release of the healing oil of the Holy Ghost to begin to mend things that have been damaged, to begin to uproot things that have somehow taken root, and let the life of God be imparted now. Never again, never again, never again. Father, give your people strength to renounce any ungodly, any unbiblical practice. And by your Spirit, minister to hearts and minds and emotions right now. Lord, I pray for those who have been afflicted in the past and it's still harassing them. It's still harassing them. Let today be the day of deliverance. Let today be today of complete victory. Oh, God, for others that just need a physical touch. Guidance in their life. Guidance in their family. Let your fire fall again. 
right here. Let lives be touched by your power. In Jesus' name, Father, come and touch your people. Father, come and answer the humble cry and response of your people. Father, come by the power of your spirit and bring healing and refreshing deliverance, grace. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's praise him. Let's